number four. If you would, look down to verse number 35, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter through verse number 41. Mark chapter number four, verse number 35. The Bible says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to come here today and not just to live in a country where we can come here. But Lord, I'm thankful that I serve a God that has given me a reason to sing. And in spite of what's going on in our country right now, I'm thankful that I can come to this haven of rest and Lord, sing about the goodness of God and the greatness of God. And I pray this morning that as we come, we'll set aside the cares of the world that undoubtedly seek to distract us. I pray, that, Father, for the next 30, 45 minutes, you'll help us, Lord, to clear our hearts and minds and make ready our spiritual palate, Lord, to receive exactly what you're going to give us. Lord, I'm thankful for the message you've sent. It's been such an encouragement to me, and I pray you'd help me to preach it today in a way that's pleasing to you, that'll be encouragement to others. I pray most of all, Holy Spirit, if there's one here today that's lost, is not sure that heaven's their home, that you'll make that abundantly clear during the invitation time, help them to come and be saved today before it's eternally too late. And I just pray you'd have your will and way, Lord, even now in Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking this morning back to when I was a child. It wasn't too many years ago, but it's getting more and more further apart, but I can remember it very well. And I'd like to think that when I was a child, I would like to be what Pinocchio was, a real boy, you know. Uh, in America today, I'm not quite sure that we have very many real boys anymore. And that's not any disrespect to the young men we have here. The Central Baptist boys are real boys for the most part, and I'm thankful for that. But I like to think of myself as a real boy, an all-American boy, and, uh, you know, doing guy things. Back then, we wore cargo pants, not skinny jeans, you know. And all boys were always filling their pockets with stuff, pocket knives and sticks and broken pieces of glass and arrowheads that we'd find out in the field and whatnot. And I just enjoyed getting out out and walking through the woods and building forts and making bows and arrows and uh, all kind of things that were not all necessarily parental approved. My parents are there on the back row on the left side, so I want to make sure that I put that disclaimer out there that many of the things that I got into as a kid was not approved by my parents. My brother and I would go out in the woods, and we weren't in the video games. We'd just go out in the woods and have a good time building forts, setting traps, trapping raccoons and rabbits, catching snakes. We'd catch snakes, and we'd skin them and pin up their hides on a wall. What we're going to do with them, I don't know because we didn't know how to make boots, so I just guess we had them as trophies. And we were always coming home with cuts and bruises and burns and bites. You can hear about sum it all up in those four words. Cuts, bruises, burns, and bites. I remember my dad would be working out of town uh, in construction. He'd be gone Monday through Thursday or Friday a lot of times. And that would be the opportunity for my brother and I to play with some of my dad's toys. Our toys were neat, but dad's toys were neater. And so we would go and play with things that normally he would not allow. Well, no, he would never allow if he had been home. And one of the things I remember we would go, he had a black powder rifle. 
one of the old long Kentucky rifles, you know, kind of like Daniel Boone had. And he had this red tin full of black powder. Uh, today, they would have labeled my brother and I domestic terrorists. I have no doubt they would have done that. We played with gunpowder. We were always blowing things up, trapping things, making weapons. Uh, matter of fact, they may be watching this. I don't know if the statute of limitations is up. They may come get us before the service is over. And I remember we would take, uh, you know, we watched Bonanza and Gunsmoke, and they would take a trail of gunpowder and blow stuff up. You know, they had that, that little black powder, and they would make a trail, and they would light it. Well, we would do that to ant beds. Uh, while dad was gone, you know, we would take that gunpowder, we would sprinkle, and it was the good gunpowder, all right? It wasn't that smokeless stuff they use today. It was the real stuff that you had to wait five minutes after it burned to figure out if what you wanted to happen had happened. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just believe me, that's the way it used to be. And we'd, we, would, we would poke a hole. We'd get a, a rake handle, and we'd poke a hole down there in the ant bed, you know, and get it real deep, and we'd fill that hole up with, with gunpowder, and then we'd make a trail all the way back, and we'd light it. You know, we kind of had like commanders. You know, the enemy's been spotted. We're fixing to do a flyby and drop the ordnance on the ant bed. I mean, they're fire ants. They need to be destroyed, right? And, uh, and so we'd light it. We used to do the same thing with gasoline. Uh, I know it wasn't very smart, but, uh, but we had fun with it all the same. You know, you had video games. We played with gunpowder, all right? One person's more manly than the other. Uh, we used to play a game when I was a kid. We would take a vegetable can, and we would pour just a little bit of gasoline in it, and then we'd pour the gas out, just leaving the residue on the inside. Then we'd light the can. And we'd play a game called kick the can. We'd kick it back and forth to each other, and whoever kicked it out was the loser, all right? I'm glad our kids are not in here. They're at children's church, right? You're going to have some angry parents after today is over. And we kick the can back and forth. Every once in a while, there would be a little bit of that gasoline left in there. And you get on our hands, or that gunpowder get on our hands, and we'd burn our fingers. We'd have to go back to mom, and mom would, uh, would bandage us up. We'd just go out in the woods, and we'd build forts, and we love taking twigs, and we cut these twigs, and we'd make bows and arrows. And sure enough, we're going to just go kill a whole passel of animals with our homemade bows and arrows. We never did, but we would go out there and pretend like we were going to. And we'd come home, and we'd have, we'd have all these rashes. You know, these bugs had bitten us. Those little red bugs had bite us, or we'd get a, uh, a rash from a vine or something that was out there. And come home, and Mom always had this book. It was kind of gray, kind of a blue medical book. And what she would do is she would look at the injury that we had afflicted to ourselves at the time. You never knew what it was going to be. I mean, I shut my head in a car door one time, had to go to the emergency room. No joke, really did. I dropped something out the car door, and I pushed the car door open to lean down and pick it up. Well, I pushed it just a little bit too hard, and it came back, bam. Now you know what happened. You always wonder, well, that's what happened to me. We come back to mom, and mom would break out that book, and she would look at the bite or the burn or whatever it was on our body that we had hurt ourselves, and she would turn to the section of that book, and she would try to match the bite that was there with what was in the book and help us to figure out how she needed to respond to the problem that we were having. Uh, I have never had, I've never gotten poison ivy ever, ever in my life. I'll probably get it tomorrow, but I've never gotten it in my life. My brother would get it. And she'd look at his hand and she'd flip over to the section of the book for rashes or, you know, infection. And she'd look and she'd mad, yep, that looks like poison ivy and then figure out how to treat it. Or if we would burn ourselves, she would open up that book and go to the section on burns and she would compare the burn and figure out how bad the burn was and then know how she needed to treat the burn. And believe it or not, for those of you that are wondering, some of you look very curious, we survived. All right, we made it through. Now, here's what I wanted to think about this morning. Fast forward a few years down the road, just a few, and still today I find myself being injured. I find myself being hurt, and I find myself in need, and yet, once again, ironically, I find myself once again going to a book. 
And I'm so thankful this morning that I can take the wounds that I have, the worries, the doubts, and the fears that I have, and there's a book that I can turn to, and that book will help me diagnose what the problem is and show me how I can respond to the problems that I'm having. Aren't you glad this morning? Not only do we have a book, we have the book. And this book is full of circumstances of people who were just like you and I. People who got themselves into trouble, people who hurt themselves, people who had doubts and people who had fears and went through all the scenarios that we're going through. Listen, don't let the devil lie to you this morning into thinking you're the only person who's ever gone through what you're going through. There have been people who are going through what we're going through right now, and by the way, many times worse, because there are people that in this book that are recorded, what they went through were times they had to hide out and worship. We're not even there yet. I'm thankful we have the privilege to still worship. But God, in his infinite wisdom, preserved in this book scenarios of those who've gone before us. That way we can take the scenarios that we're going through, reference them through this guide, and figure out how we can respond to the circumstances that we're living in. I don't know about you, but 2020 has demanded that I refer to the book a whole lot. I have uh, gone through a lot of circumstances, as you have and as our whole country has, throughout this year. I mean, all kinds of things have happened to us. And how, what a blessing it's been to be able to go to this book and read about people who went through similar scenarios and realize what I need to do. Now, there's one particular section of this book that I've gone to so many times this year, and it's the section that deals with storms. seems like 2020 has been one storm after another. I'll be glad when it's over, won't you? I hope 2021 is not even worse, but I'll be glad when 2020 is over. But we've dealt with storm after storm after storm, and here's what is wonderful, and here's what is beautiful. We go in this book, we find others who went through storms. And we're able to compare the storms that we're going through with storms that they went through. And not only do we see that they went through storms like we're going through storms, we get to see how they dealt with the storms, sometimes in the right way, and sometimes in the wrong way. And we're able to learn from what they went through to help us go through the storms that we're going through. Because I'll tell you something, if you're not careful, you're going to let the storms of this life rob you of your joy and your peace. If you're not careful, you're going to let the storms that we continually go through in 2020 rob you of the song that you used to have. Look, I want you to know our circumstances have changed, but as we preached on Wednesday night, listen, our Savior hasn't changed, and neither should our spirits change. If Daniel can have that excellent spirit in the midst of what he went through, then we as God's people can have an excellent spirit regardless of the circumstances of what we're going through. But when we look in Mark chapter number 4, I want you to see something. I want to show you the tendency that storms have. It's going to take us a few minutes to set up the message, but I believe it's necessary. If you look down to verse number 37, there's a storm comes up. The Bible says there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I don't know if you know much about uh, maritime experiences out there on the ocean, but normally you keep the water out of the boat. All right. Now, when we were, when I was a kid, Dad had an aluminum boat, a 16-foot aluminum boat, and there was a leak in it somewhere, and we I didn't know how to weld aluminum. So we get to uh, the Dead Lake over in Silver Creek, Mississippi, and before that boat would go into the water, we'd always take a little bit of a this this the gumbo clay that was there. We'd pack it up around the hole where the water would come in, and most of the time we'd keep the water out of the boat. That's what you try to do most of the time: keep the water out of the boat. But notice sometimes storms can get so fierce. That things that we would normally keep at bay 
finds its way in. Let me give you an example of that. I'm not a fearful person. I'm not an anxious person. Most of the time, I can keep fear and anxiety and worry at bay. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I could not live my life worrying all the time. And I'm thankful by the grace of God. And normally, I can keep that out of my boat. But oh my goodness, this storm has beat pretty hard in 2020, hasn't it? And if you're like me, I have found myself in 2020, like verse number 7, that it's beat so much, these storms are beating some things into our ships that normally we try to keep out. We have become doubtful. We've become fearful. And then watch what happens after that. Verse 37. The Bible says, so that it was now full. Sometimes storms can be overwhelming, can't they? This storm has beat and beat and beat and beat, and normally something that's kept outside of the boat has now made its way inside the boat, and so much of it's made its way in the boat. The Bible says that the ship is now full. The ship is going to be sinking. These past few months have definitely been overwhelming. Well, what do we do? Well, let's go to this passage of Scripture and see what they did. The Bible tells us that Christ is our example. We'll read in the New Testament where the Bible says he's our example even in suffering. What a God. What a God that we have that not only did he set the example on how we should live, but he also gave us an example of how we should suffer. And let's see how Christ responded to this storm. Notice what the Bible says in verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. You know, John eleven thirty five. 35, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Well, Mark chapter 4, verse 38, the Bible says that Jesus slept. How is Jesus responding to this vehement storm uh, that is beating against the ship? How is Jesus responding to it? He is asleep. He is at peace. He is at rest, even in the midst of the storm. This morning, I believe Christ is giving us a priceless pattern of what we can do in spite of the storm. We can have peace. We can have rest. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, we've got to learn to sleep during the storm. We as the people of God have got to learn to sleep during the storm, and I want to show you how to do that following the example of Christ today on how to sleep during a storm. Now, let's look what happens in verse number 37. The Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou not that we perish? Christ is asleep. Now, how could Christ sleep through a storm? I mean, a storm so much that the water's making its way in the boat to where the boat is filling up, and yet we see Christ sleeping. The secret is a simple fact, that Christ remembered and Christ knew something that they had forgotten in the answers in verse 35. The Bible says that when they got in the boat, and the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, watch this, let us pass over unto the other side. Can I tell you this morning that regardless of whatever happened on the water, Christ had already decided where he was going. And regardless of how much the wind was going to blow and the waves crashing up against the ship, it did not change the fact the decision was already been made of where they were going. And the reason Christ was able to sleep in the midst of the storm, number one, he knew where he was going. He knew where he was going. Now, pay close attention. Stick with me this morning. This will encourage you. As far as I know, I'm not going to be mean all service, all right? So this is one you want to pay attention to. I'm not going to be mean to anybody as far as I know. His present demeanor was a reflection of his past decision. Pay close attention to that, okay? 
His present demeanor of having peace and rest and being at sleep in this ship was a reflection of a decision that he had made in the past. You say, what was the decision? Well, in verse 35, he decided he was going to the other side. And no matter what the wind did, and no matter what the waves did, he had peace because the decision had been made of where he was headed. Now, understand this today. The devil sometimes acts like the big bad wolf. Some of you, it's been a while since you heard that one, all right? So I'll remind you of how it goes. You know, the little, three little pigs, they all build their house, and he comes up to the one house. I think it was made out of straw or something like that. And he said, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. Oh, well, he blew it down. He comes up with the one, I think it was made out of sticks. Was it sticks? All right, I think it was something along the line of sticks. And um, he had his house that was there, and he knocked on the door, and he says, let me in. If you don't let me in, I'm going to huff and puff, and I'm going to blow your house down. He blew his house down. And then he comes up to that one little pig. That one little pig, he was smart. That one little pig, he had built his house out of some brick, out of some stone, out of something solid, and he huffed and he puffed, but he couldn't blow his house down. Why? Because it was built out of rock. It was built out of stone. Now, the devil's going to come to you during this time of difficulty and adversity that we're living through. And he's going to try to scare you to thinking he can huff and puff and blow your house down. But listen, for the child of God this morning, understand, we're built upon a rock. And that house cannot be blown down. And I can go back to a place and a time in my life where I put my faith and trust in Christ. I made a decision of what my eternity was going to be. And I put my faith and trust in him. And I know where I'm going. And the devil can huff and he can bluff. And listen, and he can try to blow our house down. But as the child of God this morning, we can be without fear. Why? Because we know where we're going. Look, they might take away your 401k. They may take away your vote. They may take away your peace, but they can't take away your eternity if you have nailed down where you're going. Look, we can smile. There's not a whole lot to smile about outside of these walls, but there is something to smile about this morning knowing that you've already decided where you're going. And no matter what happens in this world, no matter how much the wind blows, no matter how much the waves crash into us and they feel overwhelming, as a child of God, I can sleep in the midst of the storm. Why? Because I've decided where I'm going. All right? No matter how bad things get in this life. Job did this in Job chapter 19, verse 25. Let me read it for you. The Bible says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Now, this is important to notice what chapter that is. It's Job 19. Job's 42 chapters long. Job is halfway through the storm. All right? He's lost... Ten of his children, he's lost his property, he's lost his friends, he's even lost the support of his wife. That's probably one of the most scary things to me. Oh, how I'm so thankful for a godly wife. And boy, look, husbands, if you have a godly wife this morning that supports you as you seek to find the will of God, you better buy her flowers or chocolates or whatever it is in the world she wants. You better buy it for her. Why? Because they're priceless. And yet Job lost that. And Job's all alone. And the storm is beating And undoubtedly, the storm was almost overwhelming. But how did Job say, for I know whom I have believed? Or Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And Job says, look, I know that he's going to stand at the latter day. Verse 26, he says, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You can have peace this morning in the midst of your problems if you'll just remember where you're going. Christ was able to sleep in the midst of his storm because he'd already made up his mind where he's going. And regardless of what happened on the lake, he was going to the other side. That decision had already been made. And yet the disciples were worrying. Notice what they say. Verse 38, Master, carest thou not that we perish? 
What did he say to them? By verse, verse number 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? I wonder this morning if Christ could come down and speak to us in person, if he would look at us and say, Why are you so fearful? Why are we so fearful? Yes, look, there's things going on in the world that maybe are a little bit concerning. The wind is blowing. The, the waves are beating up against the ship. But folks, if you know where you're going, oh my goodness, kind of checks that biggest box, doesn't it? We've already got our reservation made. 2020 has brought a lot of changes to us in our life. Some for the good, because they've drawn our closest, closer to God, and some have been not so good. And there's not a whole lot that is sure anymore, is there? I mean, there's things that are not sure right now that I was fairly certain of back in January, just as far as the fabric of our country, and yet it seems to be ripping apart strand by strand. It's just being shredded. And yet, out of all the things that we're not sure about, can I tell you, we're more sure about the important things. So what are those? First Peter 1, listen to what the Bible says in verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, hear this out, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You know what he's telling us about in 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4? He's telling us about the other side. All right? Now, don't get in your mind this morning that I'm ready to die. I'm not. All right? Please don't help me with it. Look, you, you heard my stories. I'll probably blow myself up or hurt myself, mortally wound myself one day. I'll do it on my own good enough, okay? You don't have to help me. I'm not looking forward to dying anytime soon. But can I tell you, I have great peace knowing what is on the other side. Christ was not worried. He was asleep in the midst of a storm. Why? Because he knew where he was going. He'd already made up his mind. And I would encourage you this morning, if you don't know for sure where you're going, why don't you make the reservation before you leave here today? You'd be amazed at the peace it would bring you in this life, in the midst of this chaos and turmoil. If, listen, if you just knew where you were going, Christ had that nailed down, and yet the disciples had forgotten it. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 4, it says, reserved in heaven for you. It fadeth not away. Oh, how many things have faded away in America in 2020? How many liberties have faded away? How much of our moral fabric has faded away? How much of our patriotism has faded away? And yet the Bible says on the other side, we have something reserved for us that fadeth not away. Why? Because Hebrews 6 says this. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad? Unfortunately, I can lie. I hope I've not lied to anybody in here, but there's a possibility that I may have told you I would do something and just forgot. It wasn't technically a lie. I just forgot. I am 40, okay? I think when you're 40, don't you get to start making excuses about losing your memory? I hope so, because that's what I've been using, you know, when I forget to take out the garbage and stuff like that. I can lie to you. But the one who's made the reservations on the other side... The one who's keeping what he's prepared for us on the other side. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. You know, you were told years ago, if you just paid some money into this nifty little plan called Social Security, that one day you're going to be able to cash in and you're going to hit it rich. Good luck. I don't know that it's going to be there. But I'm glad this morning my hope is not in my Social Security I'm glad this morning my hope is not in the government. I don't care who wins the presidency. I'm glad my hope is not in them. I'm glad my hope is in him. 
I've already made my decision of where I'm going. And no matter how rough the ride gets, look, I can have peace and sleep in the midst of the storm. Why? Because I know where I'm going. The Bible says in that verse in Hebrews 6, 18, who have fled for refuge to lay hope upon the hope set before us, lay hold of the hope, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Do you know what anchors do? Anchors hold the ship still in the midst of a storm. There's a whole lot of things we've tried to hold on to in the midst of this storm, and they just haven't worked, have they? I'm just going to think positively. I'm like Brother Nate. I'm an optimist, too. I'm trying to think positive, trying to think positive, you know, keep my mind up. And I've been listening to Christmas music since August. I was in bad need of it. I've got a little sign on the side of my desk. My wife got it framed for me in glass. It says, keep calm and sing Christmas songs. I've been singing Christmas songs. I get in the car on the way to school in the morning to take my to school. I'm listening to Christmas songs. Burl Ives can lift your spirit like nobody else. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Look, if you can listen to that and not smile, you're probably lost. You're probably not saved. I mean, oh my goodness, go on. Bean Crosby. Oh my goodness, just puts you in a good mood and a good spirit. But I want to tell you, there have been times in the past few months, Christmas music couldn't do it. They couldn't keep me anchored. They couldn't keep my smile. But I'll tell you one thing that will. The Bible says we have a hope that's an anchor for the soul. And regardless of how much the wind may blow and the waves beat up against us and there's water coming in the ship and we start to worry, we start to doubt and fear. Listen, I can have hope. Why? I know where I'm going. The decision has already been made and yet the disciples are acting like they're going to die. He says in verse 35, let us. Aren't you glad? He didn't just say let me. Oh, that'd been scary, wouldn't it? What did he say again? He said, let me pass through you. He didn't say nothing about us. Aren't you glad he wants to take somebody with him? John 14, the Bible says, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Who's he preparing it for? He's not keeping it to himself. It's for us. And look, no matter how bad the storm gets, we know that our God is creating something good that we have to look forward to. That is, if you put your faith and trust in him. I want to give you something before I give you the, the second point this morning. And hear me out. Do you know the boat was never the destination? The boat was just a vehicle that got them from where they were to where Christ wanted them to go. I mean, sometimes, look, we keep trying to bail out the boat and bail out the boat, and I think we ought to do all we can to help our country and to help our families and homes, but you know what? We don't get to keep the boat. Are you with me? I don't think you're getting that. All right? Don't put too much investment in the boat. The disciples are like, the boat's going down. The boat was always going to go down. We're looking at this world. Oh, it looks like this world is going to end. It was. It was written about. We're looking at this life and what's going on. It says, we're living in perilous times. Yeah, he said it would be. He said it would be. And folks, we're, we're, we're trying to save the boat. Oftentimes, when to be honest with you, we can't take the boat with us. The boat was just the vehicle to get us to the other side. That's what this life is. Now, look, I like being healthy. Matter of fact, I tried on two suits this morning that no longer fit because I am trying to be healthy, all right? So I try to take care of this body. But how much work do we put into this body? This is the boat that we're not going to get to take with us. So the Bible says that the bodily exercise profiteth little. It's in there. Life's verse. It's in there. Some of you are going to have that engraved on your tombstone. When you die at 35 from 
clogged arteries from all the fried fish that you eat. Don't put too much investment in the boat. The boat's going down. Now, we fight for it. We try to keep it afloat. We're trying to keep this country where God would have it to be. But in the end, look, this life, this body is just the boat that we're going to use until we get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, you'll be glad to get rid of the boat. So be careful what you invest in the boat. Several years ago, around 15, 16 years ago, I was on the way to Louisiana to see my fiance. There she is. Moved around on me again. I was on the way to see my fiance preparing for our wedding. Mom and Dad, you remember we had that blue minivan? Didn't run too well. It leaked oil. Oh, did it leak oil. And it was too expensive to get fit, fixed, so you know what we did? We just kept pouring oil into it. We never had to change the oil in that vehicle. It changed itself. We just kept cycling it through. That's what we did. We kept the roads lubricated all up and down the highways and byways of America. And I remember we had to take that blue minivan because uh, we were carrying wedding stuff, you know, all of that frou-frou stuff. And we had to stop twice from uh, Carson all the way to Monroe. We had to stop twice to put oil in the car. You, you hear it start tapping. Da, 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 da. And we ruined one car that way, so we realized, okay, when you hear that noise, put oil in it. And I'll never forget, we crossed over in Louisiana. We're somewhere around Tallulah. Da, 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 start tapping. Pull off to the side of the road. Had to put some, we, we kept oil in the car. I mean, we, we had one of the well-oiled engines that you've ever seen. I mean, we didn't even get to 3,000. We may have got to 300 miles on a, on a, on a change of oil. I'm standing there beside the road and putting oil in the road. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something you, you don't really, it's not really flattering, is it? Kind of broke down on the side of the road, having to put oil in your car. But I'll never forget, man, I was getting that oil in that car. I was so excited. Get back on the road. Pull over again. Let's put some more oil in it. And do you know why I had such a good attitude? It's because where I was going, there was a gorgeous young lady at the end of my journey and I didn't care what kind of mishaps, flat tires. I think I could have just pulled the car with my mom steering. I think I could have. Why? Because of where I was going. At the end of the journey, look, I don't care what I had to do just to keep the van going. There was something on the other end that I was looking forward to. And it was hard not to smile even on the side of the road as you're putting another quarter of oil in. See, I knew where I was going. Can I tell you as a child of God, oh, my soul, do we have something to look forward to. No more of any of this that we're dealing with right now. Oh, the storm's beating. You say it's overwhelming and doubt and fear are making their way into my vessel. I know, but remember where you're going. We watch the television. We get down and we hear what's going on in our world and we get so depressed. And then just start thinking about heaven. Read John 14, 2 and 3. Oh, how it'll change your outlook. Real quickly, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to hurry, but I want to encourage you today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look down, if you would, to verse 7. If you don't want to turn there, write it down. Read it when you get home. The Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. What do he say? Don't be ashamed. Look then, if you will, to verse number 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. What is he doing? He's suffering. Paul says, I've had some storms. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Verse 13, hold fast the form 
sound words. What did Paul say? Paul says, I've suffered some things. There's been some storms on my journey, but I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. Paul says, I've gone through storms. And look, by the way, Paul was shipwrecked many times. He went through storms and he went through persecutions. Oh, did he go through persecutions? He was beaten. And yet he says, I know whom I have believed. What was he doing? He was looking past the storm to the other side. And folks, this morning, if we get to the place where we're finding it hard to sleep in the midst of the storm, let's just turn off the news, get back in the Word of God, and remember, number one, where we're going. You say, well, how do we know that? Look, if you would, back to verse 35. I'm going to hurry. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. Now, Jesus was able to sleep through the storm because he knew where he was going, but how do we know that? Well, we know that because verse 35 says that he said it. Now, that's very important. I wanted to jump to the last point, and the Holy Spirit kept saying, go back, go back. You missed one. I wasn't going to give you two points this morning, but there's a really, really good thing right here in verse 35 we need to see. He knew where he was going because that's what he said. Let that sink in for a second. The second thing that will help you sleep in a storm is the same thing that helped Christ is he knew what he said. He knew what he said. Imagine the peace the disciples would have had if they had just remembered what he said. Think about that. They wouldn't have been frantic and panicked and worried and scared and asked him, don't you care about us? Hadn't you been tempted to do that over the past eight, nine months? Don't you care about us? Don't you see what we're going through, the storms and all the, the politics and all of these things? Don't you care about us? Do you know why they felt that way? It's because they forgot what he said. I believe this morning there's an epidemic, and it's not the COVID or coronavirus. There's an epidemic of the people of God not knowing what he said. You'd have more peace in your life as we as the people of God just knew what he said. Listen, if we just turned off the news and got in touch with the one who knows, I guarantee you, your day would be different. Hey, turn off the news. Look, watching the news is not going to help us figure anything out. Those guys don't know anything. They're making it up as they go. Look, why don't you turn off the news and get in touch with the one who knows because he knows what the outcome of all of this is going to be and he can give you peace to sleep in the midst of a storm. But the reason we don't have peace is because we don't know the things that he said. One of my favorite songs that the Bartlett's and Matthew sing, I think it's probably one we all would agree on, is that song, I don't know if it's the title of it, Because I Said So. Because I Said So. Aren't you glad that our God's going to get the final say-so? Look, there's reassurance this morning. There's hope. Oh, there's peace in your life. There's peace in the storm if you just realize that what God says is going to be enough. And no matter how much the storm is blowing and those waves are beating up against the ship, it doesn't matter. He said, we're going to the other side, and that's all I need. As a child of God, that'll be all you need. Well, if this election goes well, then I'm going to have peace in my life. Shame on you. You ought to have peace because God says we can have peace. You ought to have peace because you know personally the Prince of Peace. And that's peace enough. Look, the news doesn't give me my peace. I assure you of that. But I get my peace from the very Prince of Peace himself because I know him personally. Too often I believe this morning we doubt and we worry and we fear. And it's a simple reflection that we have forgotten what he said. The disciples forgot what he said. He told them, let us pass over Unto the other side. I love the word over there. If you'll remember what, it, what he says, 
you'll be amazed at what you could get over. Think about it. If you just remembered what he said, you'd be amazed at the things that wouldn't bother you. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 78, the Bible talks about the children of Israel. The Bible says that they turned back They got to the promised land and they saw all the giants that were there and they said, I don't think we can do that. And they turned back. They quit. Do you know why they quit? They forgot what he said. He said, I've prepared it for you. I want you to have it. I'm going to give you everything you need to possess it. But the reason that they decided to quit on God in the midst of the adversity is because they forgot. They they simply forgot what he says. Psalms 119, 165, I love this verse. I think every Baptist should memorize it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law. Do you know what will give you great peace? Look, it's hard to love the law if you don't know it. Great peace have they which love thy law. Say, oh, I just love his law. What do you love about it? Oh, I just love the cover. I've got two Bible markers. Mine is extra nifty. Some of you didn't get two. You only got one. No, no, no. He's not talking about the book. He's talking about what's in the book. And if you look, if you just got in to know what's in the book and what he said, you'd have peace in your life and nothing could offend you. Do you know what that word offend means? The word offend means cause to stumble. Nothing could trip you up. Nothing could take your smile. Look, nothing could rob the joy off your countenance. Nothing could take your song. If you just knew what he said, you get in this book, all of a sudden you start getting excited. Why? Because you know where you're going and you know what he said. If we as the people of God would just get back in this book, turn off the news, turn off, listen, the polls and all of those things, look, it doesn't matter who gets elected. I'm still going to have joy and peace and contentment. Why? Because my God said I could. The Bible says nothing can offend me. There's going to be times in your life, I'm going to hurry, where you're going to be like the world was in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Listen close. The earth was without form and void and darkness. You ever feel like that? Kind of sounds like a mess, doesn't it? It's without form, it's void, and there's a darkness. What changed that? What changed it? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, 3, that God spoke. God said, let there be light, and there was. God just kept speaking, and his words took that void, that darkness, and that thing that was without form, and turned it into a perfect creation just by saying so. I wonder this morning, do you have any voids in your life? Do you have parts of your life that are without form, hard to make sense of it all? I'll promise you, I'll promise you, I'll promise you, you get in this book, let God speak, and he'll make sense of those voids. He'll make sense of the things that don't have form in your life. He'll even shine a light into the darkness. That's what he did in Genesis. And oh, how God could remake it anew if you just knew what he said. The storm was too much for them, and yet we find that his word calmed the storm. What does he say in verse 39? Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Have any storms in your life today? Raise my hand first. Yep, got storms. Man, they're blowing, and man, they're beating again. And here comes doubt, and here comes fear, and all these things are trying to make their way into the vessel. He said, how do I get over that? I just got to go back and remember what he said. Because he can give peace in the midst of a storm. I have to give you this before we move on. John chapter 11. We read the story of Lazarus dying. And Lazarus' sister said, he's too far gone. 
he's hopeless. Look, matter of fact, he probably stinks. I mean, that's gone. I told somebody the other day when I was in Africa, in the morning you get up and you're on your way to the next village we were going to. In the market, they would butcher a cow. In the morning, it was fresh cuts of beef and it was expensive. Well, as you came back in the afternoon, the beef, a lot of it was still hanging there, but by now it was kind of yellow. Right? Meat, meat's not supposed to be yellow. As you come back, the meat's gotten cheaper. They slashed their price the more yellow that it gets. And I told the guy, look, there was this kid on the side of the road, no joke, had a plastic container with fried grasshoppers in it. I said, I'll take the grasshoppers over eating the yellow beef. Because, man, it was sitting there, and, oh, it was starting to stink. Oh, look, you want no part of that. And now here's Lazarus. The Bible says he's been dead, and he's probably stinking. And yet here comes Christ, and he brought life to somebody that was hopeless. Why or how? Just by speaking it, Lazarus, come forth. You amazing, be amazed this morning at the power in the word of God if you just knew what he said. It'd give you hope, it'd give you life, it'd give you peace, it'd give you light in your darkness. But here's the problem. The problem was the disciples allowed the storm to speak louder than their Savior. Are you with me? All they could hear was the storm. They couldn't remember what he had said where he said, let us go to the other side. Be careful in letting the storm speak louder than your Savior. Your circumstances are going to try to talk you into doing something you don't want to do. Your circumstances are going to try to talk you into getting out of church. Your circumstances are going to try to talk you into giving up on God. Your circumstances are going to try to talk you into just quitting everything for the cause of Christ. But I'll tell you, if you'll listen to your Savior, that's not the direction he's going to send you. But you've got to know what he said. I'll show you a couple of quick pictures right quick. I've told you before that I like roller coasters. My wife converted me to become a roller coaster riding kind of guy. And every roller coaster that we get on, there's usually a sign. I'll show you one of them right now. Uh, this is a sign of uh, the warning before you get on Splash Mountain. It says, 50-foot plunge ahead. Splash Mountain is a turbulent flume adventure with high speeds, heights, sudden drops, and stops. You may get wet. I used to hate that ride. I was the picture taker while my wife rode it over and over and over again. I was a good husband. I'd say, honey, I'll watch the baby. You go ride it. I'll be glad to give of myself and let you go ride it. Well, eventually my daughter got old enough to ride. Now I had to ride it. And now I enjoy it. Well, I remember the first time I'm getting on the ride and I, I see that sign there. And I started, oh, my goodness gracious. Ooh, 50 foot. Can I survive 50 foot? Okay, I think I can survive 50 foot. And so we get on the ride. And then one of the last things you see before you fall is this picture right here. It's almost ominous. You're going up this hill, and there's light at the end of the tunnel, and you always know, you know, go toward the light. And so we're going toward the light. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I hope this thing stops when it's supposed to stop, and I hope it doesn't go off the rails. We're going to fall off. And then all of a sudden, we go over the hill, and then we have this picture. By the way, that's Brother A.J. flexing his muscles there in the middle. You knew it wasn't me because the muscles are too big. And now I enjoy it. Hear me out. Do you know why I enjoy it? Because I know the 50-foot plunge, the sudden drops, and the splash are all part of the ride. They're part of it. I've never known anybody to die on the ride. And now I enjoy it. You see, Brother AJ, I mean, he's having a ball on there, flexing his muscles, showing off, making me feel inferior. Why is he having so much fun? Because he knew the drops were just part of it. How did he know the drops were part of it? Because he 
he read the note at the beginning of the ride. Now, we read this book, it tells us there's going to be drops. It tells us there's going to be sudden turns. If we just got in this book, we would realize that he told us in this world we shall have tribulation. Listen, John 16, these things have I spoken unto you. Why did he tell them that? That in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Aren't you glad? You see, you have peace even in the midst of the drops. Why? Because he told you it's just part of it. Remember my wife, we got on this ride one time, and I'm videoing the whole ride. Woo! I wanted to video my death. If I'm going, you know, I want to have my last testament and record that is there on video for my daughter to watch. And I'll never forget, we get to the top of this ride, and all of a sudden I, I ask my wife, where's the track? The track was gone. She goes, I forgot to tell you it goes backwards. <laughs> all through the mountain. It was scary because I didn't know that was coming. All right? My wife conveniently left that little detail out. I got to tell you, the Lord is way better than my wife at telling you what's coming. He's given us a great record to let us know there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be storms. Watch this. There were storms even in Jesus' life. And if Jesus had storms, why do we think we're not going to go through storms? We're going to go through storms. They're going to beat up against the ship. We're going to feel like they're overwhelming. He says, understand, just remember what I said. I told you at the beginning there were going to be drops. I'll show you one more real quick. You guys got the next picture? Did I give you that one or not? All right, here's another one. This says, Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain. Kind of scary, isn't it? This is a high-speed roller coaster. This is train ride through the roof of the world. That's scary. That includes sharp turns, sudden drops, traveling both forwards and backwards through dark, winding tunnels. Warning, you should be of good health. Free from high blood pressure, heart, back, neck problems, motion sickness. I mean, it's like one of those, one of those things on the, the medicines you take on, on, you know, you're trying to get rid of heartburn and it's going to cause a heart attack. That could be aggravated by this adventure. Expected mothers should not ride. Supervised children at all times. And you read that, and you're like, whew. Let me show you another picture real quick. I'm going to give you the last point. You can't see me. I'm the guy in the black shirt in the middle. I'm having a fun time. It took me about 15 rides to get where I could get my hands off the lap bar. And being honest with you, I, I did one at a time. I start, woo! You can watch the evolution of me in roller coasters through the years. I first start down with my head down. After a while, my head's up. Then my eyes are open. Then one hand's up. And now I've grown up to a man. I'm a real man now. No hands. Look, no hands. There I am right there in the middle. And oh, watch this. I'm enjoying myself in the middle of a drop. I ride that ride so many times now, I'm sick. That's, that's when I know I need to get off. How are you enjoying it so much? Well, I realize that the twists and the turns and the drops, they're just part of the ride. And in spite of that, I can still have a good time. I want you to understand there's going to be storms, but if you'll just remember what he said, he said there's going to be perilous times. He told us that on the sign in the Word of God. You remember the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6, and I'll hurry, I promise, but I'm not preaching tonight, so I've got to get everything in. Mark chapter 6, he had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. He fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Oh, what a great miracle God did that is there. And before long, they get back on another boat. <laughs> the disciples, you know, they just had tough, tough times out there on those boats. And they're, they're going across the water. Here comes Christ walking on the sea, and here they are. They're afraid again. They're fearful and they're worried. You know what the Bible says in Mark 6, 52? For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, 
for their heart was hardened. I don't think Jesus said this, but I think this is probably how he felt. Really? Really? You're scared? You're worried? You're doubtful? Didn't you just see what I did? Did you, did you forget what I did? We fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two small fishes, and you're worried about this? The Bible says they remembered not. They forgot. What do they forget? They forgot what he had done. And I believe this morning, if we'll just get in God's word and realize what he said, it's going to make this journey a whole lot more joyful. Number two, Christ was able to sleep in a storm because he knew what he said. Finally, I want you to look down to verse 39. The Bible says, he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, Christ stands up, and he confronts the storm without hesitation. He rebukes the storm in his authority. And the Bible says that all of a sudden that everything stopped, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Why? Because of the third thing that he knew that we need to know this morning. He knew who he was. He was the only begotten son of the Father. He was the one who was given the power of his father, and he walked in the power of his father. Not only did he know where he was going, he knew what he said. And finally this morning, he knew who he was, and even though he was living in a flesh body for you and I, he walked in the spirit and power of who his father was. Now this morning, the storm is going to try to scare us and try to get us to forget who we are. The world tries to tell the church, you're just a sniveling little group of weaklings. Just stay in your corner. Don't talk about your God. Don't tell us about your God. You just stay put and do what we tell you to. That's what the storm wants you to do. The storm wants you to be afraid. The storm wants you to go hide in the corner and just hope that the world doesn't hurt us. And if you forget who you are, I'll tell you something this morning. No wonder you're so worried. No wonder you're so fearful. Do you know the Bible says that when you got saved, you became an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him. That means because of who he is and what he did for us, I am more than conquerors. And if you listen to the storm, the storm's going to tell you to be scared and doubtful and fearful. But my father told me that I am more than conquerors, that I have the authority this morning to stand and do all things through Christ. That's who I am. You may look at me as a guy with big ears and a receding hairline and thinking, man, you, you don't look uh, very special. Well, my wife and my mother think so, and that's all that matters. And my daughter, amen? They think so, so we're good. But my God says I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ. That means even survive the roughest of storms. Go through the most turbulent of times. Why? Not because of who I am of myself. Because of who I am through him. So Christ did not hesitate. He stood up and he says, quieten down. Quieten down. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't anxious or worried. He said, peace be still with great authority. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, before he commissioned us to go out into this world, what did he say? All power was given unto him. You know why I think he told us that? Because he knew when we got out in the world, there's going to be storms. And it's going to be scary. And there's going to be persecutions and fears. 
And yet he says, I want you to understand all power is given unto me. And so I'm sending you out in my authority. My dad's used the illustration many times of my brother has always been shorter than me. And uh, I was t- tall early on, and my brother was is, is still not as tall as I am. And uh, yet I would be out doing something in the yard, and my brother would come, and he would say, it's time to eat. And you're thinking, how cute. My little brother telling me what to do. Now, most of the time I wasn't a mean guy. I really wasn't. You can ask him. I wasn't a mean guy, but you know what? I don't have to listen to my little brother, right? I mean, it, I think that's still in the Constitution. You don't have to listen to your little brother or your little sister if you have one of those. And then my brother would come out and he said, with a smirk on his face, Dad said, come in the house. I got nothing. Why? Because now he's coming the authority of his father. When he comes to the authority of his father, he's bold. He's not fearful. Now, folks, we go out in this world, if you go in the power of you, no wonder you're scared. No wonder you're doubtful. You can't stop a storm. You can't calm the sea. No wonder we're scared. You've forgotten who you are. You've let the storm and the news tell you who you are. When the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. And when you know you're more than a conqueror, you can sleep through a storm, no matter how bad it gets. Folks, Christ slept through this. Why? He knew where he was going. He knew what he said. And he knew who he was. And this morning, I think as the people of God, look, if you're saved here today, it's time that we get back in this book. Realize what God said. He knew the world was going to be like this. Let's figure out what we're supposed to be doing in the meantime. But here's the question I want to ask you. You're going through this storm and this trouble and this trial. Do you genuinely know where you're going? Oh, this world would be a nightmare right now if I didn't know where I was going. Oh, how frightening it would be. Can I ask you a simple question? If you died right now, are you certain you're going to heaven? Do you know where you're going? If you don't know where you're going this morning, you can. So how do you know that? Because I'll tell you what he said. And he says that you can know where you're going and you can have peace no matter what the next few days, weeks, months, and years hold in the United States of America. You can know where you're going today. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know when you leave here today you're on your way to heaven. You can know that. The question is, do you want to know it? Wouldn't you like to know if you died right now you're going to heaven? Just a few minutes, our counselors will be down front. Why don't you come down let them take the word of God and show you what he said. If you are saved here today, maybe it's time you remember who God says you are. Turn off the news and get in touch with the one who knows and let him remind you of all the authority he's given you to live, to be, and to do what he's called us to do. Let's have our heads bowed this morning and eyes closed and let's stand to our feet.